We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Most Tuesdays are just Tuesdays. Except at Buffalo Wild Wings, where Tuesdays are Wing Tuesdays. But now even Wing Tuesdays aren't just Wing Tuesdays, because Wing Tuesdays are half price Wing Tuesdays, which means your boring Tuesday that became Wing Tuesday now costs you half as much. In case you're confused, we have half price Wing Tuesdays. We do it for you. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. Prices and participation vary. See participating locations for details. Void were prohibited. NBA podcast. Nick Whalen here with James Anderson. It is Thursday, February 16th. I don't think we can officially say we've reached All-Star Weekend because inexplicably the NBA is is forcing four teams to actually play on this Thursday uh, for the the final pre-All-Star TNT doubleheader. Wizards, Pacers, and Celtics book Celtics Bulls, I should say, not the books, uh, still have to play tonight before the All-Star break officially begins. But I am in New Orleans, got here earlier today uh, on about three hours of sleep, took a luxurious Spirit Airlines flight out of O'Hare at about 8 a.m. this morning. So uh, working hard to bring you the Thursday edition of the Rotowire NBA podcast. I was just telling you, already got to sample the hot tub at the hotel that I'm staying at, and 
I tweeted a photo to, to Derek of it. It's not a very impressive looking hot tub, uh, but it it held up with some of the better hot tubs that I've actually been in so far. Yeah, you graded it out uh, on a scale of one to ten, several categories. Mm-hmm. You guys should all know that. I mean, Nick is is famous for going to mediocre to below average hotels, even and sampling the the pool or the hot tub. Mm-hmm. On site, so I'm, new, I'm known wasted. for doing a lot of mediocre to below average things. It's not just limited to hot tubs and hotels. Um, but no, like, I mean the part that's funny is like it's it's limited to mediocre hotels. Like I'm not saying what you're doing is mediocre, but like few, very few people ever sample the hot tubs and pools that you do because I mean who would trust the the uh, cleanliness of the water? in some of these places, but you, you're brave. You go right in. Right, right. Exactly. And even, you know, after the, you know, near death experience of 2016, you know, overexposure in Las Vegas uh, in July that, you know, (sighs) almost died doing what I loved, but you know, it was, it was worth being sick for like a day and a half from, from chlorine overexposure. Uh, but let's talk NBA. We'll, we'll preview all-star a little bit, but let's just talk, uh, about the trade that went down, uh, between the Toronto Raptors and the Orlando Magic on Wednesday, Serge Ibaka going to Toronto, Terrence Ross and a first round pick going to Orlando. Uh, DJ and I covered this a little bit on Wednesday's podcast. Didn't go into a ton of depth, not as much as I would have wanted. Um, but uh, I feel like everybody immediately started kind of trashing Orlando for this deal and a lot of that stemmed from looking at what's happened with this roster over the last like calendar year, um, you know, and even going further back, you know, to the Tobias Harris trade and, and things like that. And you see a lot of, you know, the Magic turn Tobias Harris, and you know, I think at one point Ursan Ilyasova was involved and Serge Ibaka into well, Victor Oladipo as well, basically into Terrence Ross and what's going to be like the twenty third overall pick in this coming draft. So, you know, when you judge it based on all of those moves, it doesn't look very good. It's, it's pretty tough to defend what Rob Hennigan's done with this roster. Uh, but when you look at it from the perspective of, okay, they were going to lose Serge Ibaka. He's a free agent this summer. They didn't want to pay him. He probably didn't want to stay there. You kind of have to look at it as this is maybe the best offer that was on the table for a guy who's basically going to be a 30 game rental. Right, yeah, I mean, Orlando's made a, a ton of terrible moves over the past five years or so, and this specific move, like, if you just look at it in a vacuum, is probably not even in, like, their bottom ten. I mean, I I, I think, you know, Serge Ibaka's name value is, is a lot higher than his skill level right now. Uh, the fact that they I, – I think they were – they did very well to get a first rounder back. I mean, uh, Terrence Ross is, you know, he's a fine rotation player, but, uh, you know, that the 11th pick in last year's draft, which ended up being Domatis Sabonis is probably a comparable value of the 24th or 25th pick in this year's draft. I mean, like if Sabonis was in this draft class, he'd be projected to go late teens, early twenties. So, uh, I don't think they, you know, people, you know, making fun of the pick and everything. Like it's, it, it could be a rotation player that they get with that pick. It could be even a, a really good rotation player. They obviously, 
they screwed up by by making that Oladipo trade in the first place. But this specific trade, like I think they did well to to get out from that Ibaka deal and still get a first rounder back. Right, and that, that's the thing you have to remember that in this draft, like you said, you're you're getting a player probably maybe even better than Sabonis in terms of you know how that player would be regarded coming out of college. I mean, we'll see. Uh, what they ultimately do with that pick, but that's not just a throwaway, you know, 21 through 25 pick, wherever it falls. Basically, it's the worst pick. Uh, the Raptors own their own pick, and they own the Clippers pick, which uh, the Bucks at one point owned that Clippers pick. They ended up sending it to Toronto a couple years ago in the Gravis Vasquez deal, um, and whichever pick falls lower between Toronto and the Clippers is what goes to Orlando. Right, and, you know, that probably... I'd be surprised if the the current Orlando Magic front office were the ones making that pick. Uh, at least, just based on merit, they probably shouldn't be. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's going to be a guy on the board in the twenties. He might not fall to them, but there's going to be a guy in this draft class that goes after the twentieth pick who's going to end up being a, a pretty damn good player. Right. I mean, when you look at mock drafts, like it's not out of the question that you know, someone like Ivan Rapp could be available at like 21. And, you know, there's a chance he could go before that, but it, it wouldn't be all that shocking if he was available there. So you're, you're getting, you know, a type of player who would maybe go in the 10 to 15 range uh, in a normal draft. That's not stock with this kind of talent. So overall, not a great look for Orlando, but there is also some merit in kind of admitting, all right, maybe we messed up by, by making this trade. And, you can at least kind of hedge your bets in some way and, and mitigate some of the loss by by getting Terrence Ross in a pick rather than just holding on to Ibaka and letting him walk for nothing. And you at least presumably get a chance to see Aaron Gordon play power forward for the rest of the season. You would think. Uh, they still started him at small forward uh, <laughs> in Wednesday's game. That, yeah, that was the, the big silver lining to the whole thing for Orlando was, all right, yeah, exactly what you just said. It's all right, you know, even though this team is going nowhere, this is another lost season, they're going to the lottery, like, at least they finally seem to be prioritizing the development of Gordon and, and to a slightly lesser degree, Hazonia, who they've, they've made a point to get into the rotation a little bit more over these last few games, hasn't really responded all that well. Uh, but if you're Orlando, like, you want to be losing as many games as possible, number one. So playing Hazonia and playing Aaron Gordon aren't necessarily going to win you a ton of games. So there's no incentive to not play them um so yeah i guess that is another thing too is you know getting ready of Ibaka does somewhat clear the log jam that they had kind of built themselves at the power forward and center spot let me just ask you really quick uh who what do you think is the worst is Hizonia the worst of the first round picks they've made over the past five years because they've had I mean, what they've been in the lottery, what, like four or five straight years now? It's and been a while. They got Alfred Payton. They they got Aaron Gordon. Uh, they got Victor Oladipo. I feel like Hazonia has to be the worst. I mean, Hazonia is one of those guys where if he went somewhere else and succeeded, you wouldn't be all that surprised. But, I mean, he hasn't given them anything. You get – I mean, if you get – Three top, let's see, three top eight picks plus uh, another top twelve pick, and you're left with Aaron Gordon, Mario Hazonia, Alfred Payton, 
and your return for Victor Oladipo, that's, I mean, that's really, really bad. That's, uh, I mean, you, that's that 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 can get you fired. Just just that that, that lack of landing like, should get you know, fired. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 there's no two ways about it, and it hasn't been good. And they. You know, the, the people forget the Sixers technically drafted Alfred Payton in 2014. Uh, and hat tip to, to the Bill Simmons podcast that I listened to on the plane this morning for reminding me of that. Basically, the Sixers drafted Alfred Payton and held him hostage and said, we, we, we're betting or we know that Orlando is interested. We're just going to take this guy and make them trade us for him. So basically, they were able to, you know, stock up on other picks, essentially move back in the draft, end up with Dario Saric, who you would think Philadelphia at this point would probably rather have. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's not, it's not on the same level as like the bulls trading way up to get Doug McDermott, but it's, it's pretty bad. Uh, I mean, realistically, like the difference between Alfred Payton and Dario Sarge isn't, isn't a big deal, but yeah, I mean, they, they just haven't, you got to at least like, and I, I've always, I've been a big Aaron Gordon guy, uh, you just can't really. I mean, you haven't you haven't seen the type of promise that you that he's shown flashes of on on any kind of a regular basis to say with any confidence that he is a guy that could be a top three player on a good team. And and you really gotta if you're if you're getting all those picks up high, you really gotta nail at least one of them. And it doesn't really look like they have done that to this point. So I mean, they're, they're in about as rough a shape as as any franchise in the league right now. Right, and I don't, I don't even know, you know, ideally you would nail one of those picks, and by that you mean you're getting a number one or at worst a very good number two option for the future. Like, I don't know if they have either of those. Like, they haven't they haven't no. nailed any of the picks. They also haven't even gotten, like, above average contributors right now. I mean, Alfred Payton's a guy that's basically been on the trade block since he was drafted, and, you know, everybody still likes Aaron Gordon and, and likes his physical tools, but the numbers are, are, are pretty ugly, and at some point you kind of have to look and say, like, you know, we want this guy to be a stretch forward, but he's shooting thirty percent from beyond the arc. Their their three best players are Nikola Vucevic, Aaron Gordon, and Evan Fournier. And on like, let's just say, like on a fifth or sixth seed in like the Eastern Conference, you're probably looking at Vucevic as like your sixth man, uh, Fournier as a guy who can either be your first guard off the bench or like. You know, maybe your fourth option on offense, maybe he starts. And then Aaron Gordon uh, as kind of a a bit of a project that, that is versatile on defense who you start at, at power forward. But, like, you're still missing. Like, if you want to be, like, a fifth or sixth seed in the East and those three guys on your team, you're still missing the three best players on that team. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I mean, it's not like they came out with guys who who you know shouldn't be on NBA rosters. They're just not guys that you can win games with, and they've proven that basically since Dwight Howard left town. Um, all right, let's talk about All Star stuff. Um, should always give the disclaimer, like I try to every time we bring this up, that I care way more about All Star Weekend than you uh, probably ever should or will. Um, but we have. We have games tonight. Like I said, there's a Travis Scott concert going on for some reason. Uh, I'm going to try to catch a little bit of that. Uh, Derek earlier this week asked me if Travis Scott was a country singer. Can see why he would have thought that, uh, but Travis Scott is not a country singer, so that's it's going to be pretty shocking for anybody who's going there expecting uh, to hear some sort of dirt road uh, country song. But 
Tomorrow we get the Rising Stars Challenge, um, and then on Saturday, Dunk Contest, Three Point Shootout, Skills Challenge, and then of course on Sunday, we have the All Star Game itself. But uh, let's talk about the Dunk Contest first. Rising Stars is even more of a, an exhibition than the All Star Game itself, so I don't really want to touch on that uh, too much. But Dunk Contest, we have Aaron Gordon, who we just talked about, DeAndre Jordan, Glenn Robinson the third. Uh, and Derek Jones Jr. of the Phoenix Suns. So not the most intriguing field overall. I mean, you have two two frontline stars. Gordon, you know, not a star in terms of five-on-five basketball, but he's a star in terms of the dunk contest. DeAndre Jordan, um, you know, uh, an all-star in the Western Conference uh, in the past. And, you know, two guys in Robinson and J- Derek Jones who have basically been kind of fringy roster guys for, for most of their careers, but... Uh, this is the kind of stage for players like that where you can really assert yourself. Uh, one, will you be watching All-Star Saturday night? Two, do you care about this at all? Maybe those are the same answer. Uh, I don't I don't think I'm going to be able to. Like, I, If I was sitting at home, I'd probably have it on. But I, I have a friend who's uh, turning 30 that night, and uh, he wants to go to a... Uh, piano bar which is absolutely not my scene and absolutely not a place that's going to have the dunk contest on so i probably won't be able to see it it's probably one of the better years to not plan around seeing the dunk contest because while i fully anticipate Aaron gordon to put on a show like i don't know anything about Derek jones uh I know of Glenn Robinson just based on, you know, he's he was on that one really good Michigan team. He, you know, his, his dad is a one of, you know, obviously big dog Glenn Robinson, and DeAndre Jordan. Like, what the hell is he doing in this thing? Like, he, he he's one of those guys who he has some of the best in-game dunks every single season because he can just throw it in from like eight feet away over people. But it's not really impressive when we've talked about this plenty of times. Like, it's not that impressive when a seven-footer dunks and there's, like, nobody to dunk on. Like, I mean, he, he's not going to be able to do anything uh, super, like, agile or uh, – I mean, it's, it's just going to be all power dunking. And, it, and that stuff's just not all that interesting when there's not a player there underneath it. Right, exactly. That's that's why I think if you're DeAndre Jordan, you you basically have to jump over something. Like those those distance type of dunkers typically don't fare well in these contests. It's more about like what you can do, how you can contort your body in the air. I mean, like Giannis is is one of the most captivating in-game dunkers. He was horrible in the dunk contest a couple of years ago because it just doesn't translate all that well. Even even when Dwight, you know, won it as a big man, it was kind of a down year for the dunk contest. He had the whole like Superman theatrics that that played into it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not expecting a ton out of DeAndre Jordan. I mean, not to take away from anything that he's done as an in-game dunker or as just like a pure athlete because he's a, he's a complete freak. But I don't know if he can compete with you know the type of body control that someone like Aaron Gordon has or or guys like Robinson and Jones who you know are four or five inches shorter than DeAndre Jordan and. That just kind of comes with the territory. I mean, it's it's almost physically impossible to do the things that a guy like Zach Levine does when you're seven foot one. So, if I gave you Aaron Gordon or the field, what are you taking? 
people, there's a lot of hype around Derek Jones. I will say that. Uh, it reminds me a lot of the hype around James Flight White in whatever year that was, like 2014, 20, I don't know, 2013 maybe. Uh, I was a big part of that hype. I was a big fan of Flight White uh, in college and thought this was going to be his, his end of the NBA. Uh, that was not the case. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, I think, I mean, Gordon has to be the favorite. So the only concern is, like, did he use everything up? last year i don't you know it's hard to imagine that he has anything better than like two of two of the dunks that he threw down last year i just don't see him topping those so you know there's kind of that unwritten rule that you can't repeat a dunk that you've done in the past or or that you've done earlier in the contest obviously so you know the fact that he did so well last year like it almost makes me think like he had a shot to win it and levine was just so crazy good that it that it didn't happen that said I will still take Aaron Gordon because I don't know I don't I don't know enough about Derrick Jones quite yet to trust him, but he's the guy I would say is the primary competitor. All right, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Gordon too. I, I mean, I think that's a good point about uh, maybe he doesn't maybe his best two dunks we've already seen him, but you know, guys that are that good, you know, that was his first that was his first dunk contest, right? first nba dunk contest yeah i mean i think he won it at the mcdonald's game i mean guys that are like that good in in, i mean they typically continue to show out well i mean like uh levine dominique mj i mean like it's when when you're that good and you're and you're like a historically good contest dunker you typically have like a few more tricks up your sleeve or at least you're to be creative enough to come up with those initial dunks you're going to be creative enough to come up with them so that is true. Uh, I, mean, I wouldn't could have said the same thing about Levine last year going into last year's contest and he, he would have proved that wrong. Right. I mean, Levine's Levine might go down as, you know, maybe uh, he might be the second best uh, dunk contest dunker behind Vince Carter that that we've ever seen just because he his his hops are so crazy that like. He can just he can just take off from somewhere and like do a tomahawk and it and it's good for fifties. Like I mean, like he it's it's so easy for him to to put up a, a perfect score in, in this contest. That um, yeah, I mean it, it it was a tough tough road for Gordon last year, but I mean he's got to be looking at his chops right now. I I would go as far as to say Zach Levine was better than Vince Carter in the dunk contest alone. I think Vince at the time those dunks were like crazier but like I don't know that Vince you know gets the same scores now like our, wasn't Levine more impressive I mean Vince was obviously the much better overall player and and the bigger star but I think I think Levine and Gordon maybe did more difficult dunks than than Carter did Yeah uh that's not something a lot of people want to hear including myself I mean it's just it's like anything though I mean it's the guy that comes first like, you know, but the his between the legs was like the best between the legs we'd seen to that right. point. The arm in the rim, uh, the elbow dunk. I mean, that that was amazing. I mean, you kind of these things just continue to the bar continues to be raised. Yeah. So I, I think you got to judge everything kind of on a curve and just view it in like what were what was your reaction like when it happened, not like yeah. compare pairing eras, you know. Right, yeah, I would say he he had by far the most impactful and most memorable dunk contest performance 
most you know best dunk contest performance i don't know maybe maybe we'll see something in five years you know that that's the most impressive but yeah i I would agree i mean it was it was the most memorable it's the one that people will always debate no matter what happens for as long as the dunk contest is around people will always there will always be people who will say vince carter was the best and it's it's tough to really uh argue with that uh having seen that contest just really quick like uh Really quick prospect talk. Do you see any of the guys from this uh, epic draft class coming up here that, A, you think would be willing to participate in the dunk contest, probably as rookies because they're going to be too good by the time they're sophomores? And, B, do you think any of them like have the potential to be kind of transcendent dunkers? Ooh. Um, it's a good question. This is usually something I think about, number one, when I'm looking at prospects. Um I don't know, but like I mean, Smith and Fultz are kind of obvious because they're such good athletes. But like, well, I don't, Fultz, I don't like, see Fultz doing it. What? And I, I don't see Fultz doing it, and I don't really see Smith doing it. Like, I, I just think like the the mindset of a guy, like these are guys like Fultz and Smith. Like when you go to NC State and you go to Washington, like that, that sort of signifies to me that you just like all you really care about is just going directly to the like NBA at, like as soon as possible uh becoming a superstar like you're you're not really bothered with like uh taking a look around and like checking out the sites like on your way there and i feel like the dunk yeah, contest hang, is hanging sort out of, at the student union <laughs> yeah i mean like like to me the the two guys that come to mind are uh Josh Jackson for i mean his in-game dunks probably uh top this class and then i think malik monk has a chance oh, yeah yeah, he, yeah 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 he's the one i don't know how i didn't think of him yeah i, I think he totally could and he's got the right body right like yes. he's six three like that's that's just a perfect body to like put on a crazy show in a dunk contest so i think jackson and monk to me are guys that i really hope maybe perform in this next year yeah, he's a, he's like a, a link, like a lanky six three too. Like if he if he does a windmill with those long arms, it's gonna look really cool. It's not gonna be one of those you know quick compact windmills. Uh, so yeah, yeah, Monk is definitely the guy I think for me. I would I would say uh, not Laurie Markkinen. <laughs> uh, give it, dude. He he might win a three point shootout in a couple of years, man. Okay, what happens first? Markkinen wins a three point shootout, or Ma- or Malik Monk wins the dunk contest? Uh, Monk, just <laughs> because like. The the three point shootout's gotten to the point where, like, you don't get to be in it unless you're like a stud. Like, right. <laughs> it's it's kind of uh, like Nick Young. <laughs> hey, he hey he paid his dues, you know. Uh, he, he really did. That I, I think that's great though. I mean, like, I would have we we talked about. I mean, let's just go right into the three point shootout. Like, yeah. Kemba Walker, I love you. You shouldn't be in this. Uh, Wes Matthews, I love you. You shouldn't be in this. Kyle Lowry, I love you. You shouldn't be in this. Like, do you agree with that? Like, those those three guys just don't they don't fit with the the other guys that are in the the thing. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm I'm I don't really like care who's in the three point contest all that much. Yeah, I mean, Matthews is he's shot the ball well uh, of late, and he's. You know, he's more of a catch-and-shoot guy, uh, you know, a spot-up guy who, who I think could do well in this. Kemba, I have no interest watching shoot the ball. I mean, who who's not in well, it like, that you want to mean, see? Obviously Steph. Yeah. Obviously Durant. And I'd, I'd rather see Beal than any of those three guys, too. Steph, Durant, and Clay all doing it would have been cool. 
I'm, I'm honestly a little surprised I, they didn't. I I mean, do you think the NBA just wanted one one representative from each team? Like, I mean, I don't think so. I think I can't the NBA, if you're the NBA, you want that. Like, you want as many of those big time guys as possible, right? I mean, that would have been. Like, what if we'd gotten down to, like, the finals and right. it had been, like, three Warriors guys? You and, know, like, that's on. not inconceivable at all. Like, I think Steph well, and Clay Well, they're the three best in the league. <laughs> right, that's what I'm saying. Steph and Clay would have, would have been the Vegas favorites to, to win it. And I would imagine Durant could easily be number three. Yeah, like, you know, you want to see Steph and KD and, I, and Bradley Beal to me, like, he's just – he's more of a aesthetically pleasing shooter right. than the other guys. Like – I respect the hell out of Kyle Lowry's game, and it's just you know he's not he's not really that that type of like just marksman where it's like you know don't give don't give him an inch of space you know like if you're if you're guarding Kyle Lowry and he pulls up for three like you're you're okay with that. What if the NBA added like drills or or events to like shame players? So you had like a free throw shootout <laughs> between like Clint Capella, Andre Drummond. You know all these other guys. That'd would be great. That would be great, or like a long, would, like the three point shootout, but the the racks are placed like just inside the three point line for like Dion Waiters and. Well, I'd rather have Waiters in this than like, like if you could have Waiters in this, like would Waiters be your number one pick if you were just picking the field? Yeah, I mean he's the guy that I think would be the number one pick to like care the most, right? Like. You know, everyone else, like, the guys take this semi-seriously, but, like, you know, if they don't make the final, like, nobody's moping. There's a lot of – everybody's smiling, hugging. Like, Waiters would be freaking furious like, if he didn't win it. He would not give dap to, no. like, anyone if he, if he lost. No, exactly. And, like, who wouldn't want to see that? Like, I think if they chose – if, like, Waiters was playing better, um, like, a couple of weeks earlier, he would have gotten serious consideration, I think. It's like yeah. the players want to see that. The players don't want to see Kevin Walker. Yeah, yeah. No, um, I mean I I love the idea of the long two contest that they, yeah you threw out there like like the guys that take the most inefficient shots right that, it's like you great. don't have a choice like you will you have to be in this because of your decisions you did this to yourself <laughs> yeah All right, um, so who is your actual yeah, pick I mean, to win this thing Clay Clay I mean, come on okay all right yeah. Um, yeah has there ever been a back to back winner. Maybe I'm setting myself up for a stupid question that this is obvious, but oh yeah, I mean, there's got to have been. I I, I don't not recently though, right? Vashawn oh, Leonard, uh, I think, only won it once. Let's see. So, I mean, this we can Kevin this Love is something we can look at. Uh, yeah, I, I got it here. So Tom, like going backwards, starting last year, Thompson, Curry, Marco Bellinelli, Kyrie, Love. James Jones, Pierce, Daquan Cook in 09. Okay, here we go. Back-to-back in 07 and 08, Jason Capono. Uh, Peja went back-to-back in 0203. Hornacek went back-to-back in 98. Oh, uh, kind of doesn't count because there was no All-Star game in 99 due to the lockout, but he did win it in 98 and 2000. Craig Hodges won three straight at one point. Larry Bird won the first three. So yes, uh, to answer my original question, it it has happened like six times. <laughs> it happens all the time. It happens. Uh, it almost happens more often than not. So I mean, I just I would honestly almost take Clay versus the field in this. Like I don't know. He just he's so damn good, man. It's not like, like he's shooting he, like sixty five percent from three. But 
like compared to these guys, the amount of times where he's just like catching fire, like, and I mean, I don't know. I, it's, he, I mean, he track record matters. Like, as, like you were saying, like uh, to me, like the first time you're in this thing, like you can almost rule out all the guys who it's their first time. Like, yeah. I, I think like, like McCollum's not winning. Walker's not winning. Uh, Lowry's not winning. Who are you like, the most sure will not win? Is it Kemba? For me, it's Kemba. <laughs> um, Can't imagine a world in which Kemba Walker wins this. Yeah. Kemba, Kemba Lowry and McCollum to me are all kind of in the, I just don't see it happening. Lowry, so, Lowry is uh, not a contest shooter in the same way that DeAndre Jordan is not a contest dunker. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know what uh, I mean by that exactly, but it, that it, he just he seems more comfortable like dribbling into it or something like that. Like, he's not a he's not a rack shooter. I would say Clay's the favorite. I would put Kyrie at second, and okay. then and then I think Gordon Gordon and West Matthews are in that three to four area. I mean, who knows what Nick Young will do? But I I don't know. I I just can't. I, he might be going too slow. Like, yeah, I was, gonna, I was if just going to say, he's on up, one guy to not get off all of his yeah. shots in a round. Like, it would have to be Nick Young, right? And then try to compensate in his next rack and like, he's too, too he's too chill to get all of his shots off. Right. Yeah. Chill mode. Uh, yeah, for sure. I agree with that. Um, so, so who do you actually want to win this three point shootout contest the most? Nick Young. I mean, correct answer. I'd love to see Clay win, but but Nick Young. Uh, I mean, he, he would just be showboating his way through the whole thing. He would be, I mean, the, the acceptance speech would, would probably be just an amazing, uh, bit of showmanship. I mean, he's, he's great. And, and like everyone would be freaking out. Like NBA players love it when kind of goofy NBA players, play well like that the the warriors love it when javel mcgee's on the court with them like i feel like actual all stars would love it if a guy like nick young won because they would just get a big kick out of it i mean i think that that's that's a no-brainer right no no one's losing anything if if nick young you know wins the three points i guess there's a cash prize but like i feel like clay's clay and lowry and Kyrie and kemba are probably beyond uh, caring about that. I mean, the, the guy who would probably care most about the, the cash prize is Nick Young, so there, there's that in, in play. Um, all right, real quickly, let's talk about the All-Star game itself on Sunday night. Um, as we know, this game, as it's often referred, is basically a glorified scrimmage, and uh, one team almost scored 196, or almost scored 200 points, got to 196 last year. So it's at this point, it's hard to say that it's anything but you know, organized chaos, and there's really nothing, no reason to believe that it won't be that again. Uh, that said, who is your pick to win the MVP of the NBA All Star Game? Demar Derozan. Uh, just, just kidding. Oh. Shout out, shout out to DJ. Uh, yeah. No, uh, I'll go. I'll go, I'll go Steph. Uh, <laughs> one, of, one of the all time um, worst bets. DJ, DJ. Bet, uh, bet both of us last year. Like he gave us, was it like ten to one odds or something like that on Demar Derozan winning uh, ah. All Star Game MVP? 
Yeah, oh, yeah, that was that was easy money. I don't know. He he had a feeling. I don't know what led to that, but he was very <laughs> sure that Demar Derozan was taking that home. Yeah, um, I I could see like I can definitely visualize in my mind uh, one of Steph Harden or Durant winning. I'm gonna go with Steph just because I think he probably gets the most three pointers up of that trio and. You know they're going to be wide open threes. He's probably going to be stunting on a few of them from like near the near half court, and he he just he'll be having he'll have so many open looks from deep parts of the court that he practices at, and uh, you could just totally picture him splashing, you know, three or four of those, and he'll have ten assists probably. Like I mean, he'll he'll do some crazy. Uh, ankle breaking uh stuff with the ball i mean i just i see him putting on a show i mean i could see harden winning it i could see durant winning it uh i don't know i i guess russ maybe i just he's gonna be so pissed off and like the rest of the guys are gonna be so chill like (laughs) i just don't think it's gonna go in his favor like (laughs) who who decides all-star game mvp is it all fan voting i don't remember uh, I, th- I think it's, or is it media members? I think it I think might be media members. Cause like, don't they, isn't it like after the third quarter or something they have to submit? I, it's something, kind of, <laughs> it's coming a little wacky. Yeah. I don't know. I, if it's media, Russ is absolutely not winning. <laughs> okay. Let me, let me go to there's, the Wikipedia page still- for the NBA all-star game. Most valuable player award. Hmm. The voting is conducted by a panel of media members who cast their vote after the conclusion of the game. Okay. The player Wait, with the you, most votes or ties for the most votes wins the award. So it's a popular vote. Are you not on that panel? I don't know. I might be. I have never been in the past. I I don't know. That, that's interesting. Like I wonder – there's no way it's all credentialed media. They have to vet that at some point. They, they would know better than to give me an all-star game MVP vote. <laughs> and receiving one vote. Ricky Davis. Daddy O'Brien. <laughs> oh, D-League All-Star Game. Sorry. Um, I, I think... You're going with Russ? I No, I don't know. Well, Russ, Russ has put up 41... He's put up 41 points and 31 points in the last two All-Star Games. He took 17 threes in the last All-Star Game. Um he make like four of them? <laughs> uh, he made he's 7 of 17. Um, he's a career 54% shooter in All-Star Games, if, uh, if you're into advanced stats. That's pretty bad. That is not good. Actually. That's very low. What the question <laughs> you is? Be shooting. My my question is like, what did what determines All Star Game MVP to you? Is it the guy? If you were voting, is it someone who had like a couple memorable moments? You know, like if LeBron throws down a, a couple crazy dunks and hits a really deep three, or is it the guy who ends the night with like forty five points, two assists, and a couple rebounds? You know, he just he 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 drained a bunch of open threes, no, had some I, layups. Like, I just think it's the guy that was the best the best player on the court like i mean it to me it'll be pretty clear you know you'll you'll be able to tell like from the winning team who had the best game usually i mean sometimes there there's times when a guy like one guy will have 38 and one guy will have like 42 and then you kind of start breaking down their rebounds and assists and stuff like that but uh i mean you just said like russ has russ won mvp in, in either of those past two years I am pretty sure he won it two years ago. Um, 
didn't didn't Paul George win it last year? <laughs> that's no that's wait, no, Russ Russ did win it. He's won it both of the last two years. Has he? He has. All right. Incredible. Well, I guess <laughs> I guess your logic holds up. He does want it more. I mean he clearly wants it more. Yeah, I mean um, like now now you kinda have to complete the three peat, right? Nobody in the NBA like wants like personal val <laughs> um like he just really cares about being validated on a on a personal right. level. Uh, I would put like Harden and like LeBron as like distant like two and three on that list, but like Harden's just way too chill like to to try hard for this award. Like he might he might come out and like rip a few threes, and like if he's if he somehow got like twelve points or fifteen points when he gets subbed out. Then he might like actually try to win the MVP, but like if if he's if he misses like one shot, he'll just kind of like lose interest. And like LeBron, like I said, I just I don't see the East winning. So I guess I guess what Westbrook is a good good call. I'm I'm still going with stuff. Let me uh, let me try to find the Vegas odds here for All Star MVP. Like Russ has to be the favorite, I would think, right? Yeah, based on that track record, I mean, this is his, he lives for this crap. Yeah, he's got all the momentum, two straight MVPs coming <laughs> into this. Um, yeah, I don't know, we'll see. I, I think like you can kind of kick off, like half the roster has no shot. Like Paul Millsap, I'm sorry, you're having a nice year for the fifth place Atlanta Hawks. There's no scenario in which Paul Millsap is winning the All-Star Game MVP. Yeah. I, I got a random prediction. I think, I think Kawhi Leonard will have a moment in this game. Like, I think he's going to either break someone's ankles or, like, just do something where people are like, "Holy crap!" Like, I didn't know he could do that. Like, I, I think he's going to have a moment in this game. He's definitely not going to win MVP. Is he going to like speak? Whoa! <laughs> he, might, Whoa. he might. He might yell. At <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's um, very very possible. He might, might hold this release on a three like <laughs> he does love doing that <laughs> um but like yeah i think i think Kawhi's sneakily been like embarrassing people this year so i, I think he might he do has. something like that in this game he he's somehow flying under the radar yet again like it felt like these last two years every like the whole story has been like man people gotta start paying attention to this guy just because he's so quiet just because his personality isn't out there like yeah. he's killing it again and he's he's you know gonna sneakily probably finish in the top five or six of the mvp he's gonna be in the top three or four in defensive player of the year it's it's wild how good he is he's uh he's the best player ever who people always say flies under the radar like he doesn't fly under the radar for like anyone that like watches the sport on a serious right. level. Uh, but he he never really gets brought up in like he's never going to win like fan voting or anything like that. Uh, the fact that he like the fact that defense or uh, offenses just take him out of games now, like like they just don't even whoever he's guarding, they just don't include in the offense. Uh, like that's. I can't remember that happening before. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, he he might be the best two way player ever, and you know that it sounds like it's doing a disservice to guys like LeBron and and Jordan, who are you know great defenders. But he's like so wildly good on the defensive end, and so you know he's not like a transcendent offensive player, but he's in an All NBA well, 
first or second team level offensive player and a legendary defensive player already. And he's only in year six. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't – it would take a lot for me to put him ahead of Jordan for for best two-way player yeah, ever. Yeah. But, like, I would, I would definitely put him ahead of LeBron for, like, best two-way regular season player ever because, like, LeBron – and, like, I don't blame him at all for this. Like, I mean, I guess I'd blame him for maybe uh, demanding to play as many minutes as he does and kind of forcing this. But, like, when you are that important on the offensive end, like – I mean, you're just naturally going to take some some plays or even some games off a little bit defensively. Some like, weeks, Kawhi, yeah. Kawhi doesn't really do that. Yeah, and, and part of that is that he plays, you know, in that Spurs system that, you know, kind of allows him and doesn't really give him the choice to tell the coach when he wants to play 48 minutes and, and things like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, you're, you're kind of splitting hairs at, at that point. Like, I'm not trying to say Kawhi Leonard's a better player than Michael Jordan. I just want to, I mean, just I want to make that clear. kind of said that. I I implied it. I, that's not what I meant to imply, but I could see how it would be taken that way. Um, well, all right, anything... MJ, but Kawhi, I mean... All right, I don't even want to get into that. Any Anything prospects that you want to bring up? No, I, I think... I mean, the more I think about it, like, I really think the uh, top seven of the draft is is pretty clear to me right now. Um, maybe even the top eight. Uh, so, I mean, I think that the, it'll just be interesting to sort of see, like, I, this is going to be one of the hardest drafts ever to, uh, mock like beforehand, like the first like eight picks. Like I, I'm, I'm pretty confident who those eight guys are going to be, but I have just no idea what the order is going to be. Even at, even at like number two, like once you get to like number two, it's like, who, who the hell knows? Like, it could be one of, like, four guys. So uh, just going to be really interesting to see, like, who increases their stock. I mean, Jason Tatum's kind of heating up. Uh, you know, Dennis Smith, Lonzo Ball, both playing uh, really well over the past month or so. Um, Josh Jackson, like, continues to have, you know, crazy plays in, in huge games. And, I mean, there's just it's a lot lot going on on that front right now. Yeah, I think Josh Jackson has flown under the radar more than any of these guys. And you know the way that Andrew Wiggins was picked apart at Kansas every single game, whether he played well or played poorly, uh, was was discussed at length. And it's not like that with Jackson. You, you just don't see it, especially nationally. And I guess maybe part of the reason is there's not all that much to critique. I mean, the, the, the free throw shooting is an issue. The three-point shooting prior to these last couple of weeks was an issue. Um, but in most years, he'd be cruising his way to you know number one status maybe number two at worst and I mean there's a chance you could get Josh Jackson at number three or number four in this draft so it's not often you can say that you get a steal in the top three but there's a very real possibility that that's going to occur I mean there's going to be steals like just based on where the guys go there's going to be steals all the way to pick like 25 a small part of me hopes that this draft is just all hype and they're like all these guys are busts, so we have like hours and hours of cataloged audio of us just praising <laughs> praising everybody like this is the best draft of all time like that's not gonna be the case, but um like I mean like we've touched on before, like we know for a fact a couple of these guys are gonna be busts, but it's just hard to say that with any certainty who that's going to be um all right let's wrap this up before skype quits on us for what would be like the eighth time i'm gonna have some serious uh, audio work to do here uh, at the hotel but 
I appreciate you hopping on with me, James. I'll talk to you in person on Monday. Yeah, I mean, definitely feel free to, like, send me some Snapchat or just photographic evidence if you see uh, some famous rappers. But, um, yeah, other than that, enjoy enjoy the parties, enjoy the hot tub, and enjoy the festivities. All right, will do. Check your Snapchats. Thanks, man. Quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13.